Everybody, you are listening to List It, a show where me and my guests rank and list things in pop culture. And this is a one I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, you probably know my next guest if you have uh, opened the app Instagram in the last like three years because uh, he was running or is running one of the most popular profiles, uh, making commentary at the intersection of faith, fashion, and culture. My guest today is Ben Kirby, the man behind Preachers and Sneakers, and also the author of the brand new book, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. What a title. Ben, welcome to List It, man. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for giving me some time. And uh, again, it's a pleasure to meet you finally after listening to hours and hours of you speak uh, on the relevant pod I'm, and all those other podcasts. Hey, after listening to hours and hours of me, I'm surprised you even wanted to talk to me. Like, oh <laughs> gosh, this is going to be this is going to be I'm exhausting. Chalking this up as my uh, my spiritual act of worship for the uh, month, <laughs> my charity case. Well, Ben, we got a, we, <laughs> we got a fun show. We're gonna we're gonna talk through each of us are gonna talk through kind of our five favorite sneakers. But before we jump in, I I, yeah. I want to talk about uh, preachers and sneakers because you know it it was an Instagram account that had really exploded into. You know, not just the book, but you have a really cool merch line. Uh, you know, you've had podcasts. Did you, when you first started the account, which for people who haven't seen it, it, it you know, basically shows pictures of notable pastors and uh, people in church leadership wearing very expensive items of of clothing, including some pretty fresh kicks. Like, they, <laughs> That's right. like you say what you will about modern evangelicalism, the sneaker right. game is on point. So Ben, for people who, who kind of don't know the story, and I'm sure you've told it many times, but just kind of the truncated version of why you launched it and, and what it was like when it started blowing up. Yeah, Two years ago, uh, here in Dallas, I was in the middle of my MBA program here at SMU. And at the same time, while I was trying to pay for school, I was moonlighting as a DJ. And so one weekend I DJed super late one Saturday night here in, in Dallas and the next morning slept through church. And for whatever reason, that morning, I decided to check my church box by watching worship videos on YouTube. I had never done that before ever. And I uh, haven't done that since, but th- this morning in particular, I felt compelled to start looking up worship videos on YouTube. And so I did, and I I found this Elevation song, and I noticed very quickly that the worship leader was wearing a pair of Yeezys that were one of the more limited uh, variations of Kanye's esteemed sneaker line. And they were reselling at the time for like $800 to $1,000. And I'm this nothing dude, no platform. I've got like maybe three to 400 personal followers that just know me as a person. And I made a video, a quick video, basically being like, hey, Elevation Worship, how can your guys afford $800 shoes? Let me get yeah. on the payroll. Something stupid. Yeah. Not Wasn't supposed to go anywhere. Nobody was supposed to care. Um, but I started looking at other videos uh, that YouTube served up and realized that there was this whole culture of... Uh, super fresh pastors wearing really dope kicks and expensive streetwear designer bags and all that kind of stuff. And so what it eventually turned into was uh, I created an account reposting pastors own pictures of themselves and then putting the price tag of what they were wearing next to it. And just putting those two pictures together and the tension of those two things caused people (laughs) to lose their minds. And I didn't, I didn't even really say that much. I maybe said like one or two sentence captions that people thought were funny. And, um, it has two years later turned into more of a, a conversation piece about the modern church's relationship to wealth and fame and 
celebrity culture and social media and all that kind of stuff. But at the beginning, it had no thought. It had no strategy. It wasn't supposed to be a thing. But um, clearly, thousands and thousands of people had already been thinking about yeah. this type of topic. And unbeknownst to me, uh, I was the person thrown into the middle of it. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting, too, is I feel like <clears throat> people who either heard about it or kind of came in late, they might think that it's just a straight indictment, not just on some of these like kind of quote unquote celebrity pastors, but also an indictment on streetwear and high fashion but the irony, and as people will see today, is you're kind of a sneakerhead. Like the reason that you were able to recognize those Yeezys in the Elevation Worship video is because you know. I, I, do you do you uh, would you self describe as a sneakerhead? I I can't claim like OG sneakerhead status. I've yeah. been into sneakers since like 2015. <laughs> okay, and it was this random uh, moment when I was in the Marines that I have a buddy in the NBA that actually gifted us some sneakers, and that's what kind of got us into it. Um, and then I got interested in like the entrepreneurial piece about it where yeah. you can basically buy certain kicks and then resell them for profit. Um, but the reason I was able to notice these sneakers and continue to be able to like, uh, post about this kind of stuff is cause yeah, I was, I was really into sneakers at the time. This was in 2019. And so once you're into the kind of sneaker culture, sneaker, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, it's pretty easy to point out or to, to identify the more prominent sought after kicks. And yeah. so, uh, I imagine OG sneakerheads would not call me a sneakerhead, but I am a big fan of sneakers yeah. and I have an obsessive personality. And so I probably looked like researched it too much uh, to the point where it was pretty easy for me to identify that kind of stuff. Well, what, what's interesting about it is because the the tension that the, you know, kind of the whole construct of, of preachers and sneakers, I feel like it kind of, I feel like for people who haven't really done a, like a deep dive and, and really kind of develop appreciation of what yeah. you've done is they see this as, well, pastors shouldn't be wearing nice things and they shouldn't be wearing, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, off-white Jordans on stage mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, $1,300, you know, air fear of God ones or whatever mm -hmm. on stage because it's going to make them look like they're flaunting their wealth. But it also felt like, you know, there were probably people that were like, well, anybody shouldn't have shoes that cost $1,300. But is this a tension that you've kind of wrestled with knowing that even if you're kind of reselling them, like I like sneakers mm -hmm. too. And I have a couple pair, you know, that it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like an embarrassing amount of money, but it's certainly like, okay, but that was like, a oh, lot for a pair of shoes. So yeah. I'm not like, I, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but I feel like how did you kind of navigate that tension personally? Yeah. And that's something I've gone through the past two years, pretty much every single day where people show up with kind of a preconceived notion or a bias about the account yeah. or an, an unwillingness to think about it for a second. Yeah. Uh, and the assumption is that I am a person sitting on his high horse saying no person of faith should ever have really nice stuff or yeah. really expensive shoes. And I've never said that. And, uh, but I had, what I have said is that, uh, you should consider what you put on before you get on stage to preach about Jesus, yeah. because what you put on sends a message to those yeah. people and people are watching, especially when you have like global influence uh, on social media or in just like your regular media. I've, I've wrestled with that pretty much every single day too, where it's like, I like nice stuff. I, yeah. I'm, I started this account when I was in business school. I, I would like to make a profit yeah. at, at some point. I, I just had a kid. And so I need to be able to like physically buy diapers and such like stuff costs money. Yeah. And so I've never vilified anybody for making money. I mean, I want pastors to get paid. I want, I want pastors to have a really, really hard job. Yeah. Um, and most of them don't make squat. Yeah. Um, and I'm very much in the camp of compensating them well because they 
they, we put all these irrational expectations on them. And they also, uh, without all that, have a really hard job as it is that has no real like clock in, clock out type uh, thing. I mean, in your mind is kind of the wearing kind of high end streetwear on stage. Is it more about the perception and kind of because sometimes I'm like, uh, there's just like a lack of self-awareness with yeah. past. And I'm like, you know, John Gray wearing like, you know, a Louis Vuitton track suit with a Gucci belt or whatever. You're like, exactly. I don't know what kind of mess. I don't have any beef with him or probably his message. But again, the perception from the audience is probably, uh, oh, who's it's this like guy? You put yourself in most rational people's minds and most rational people be like, what is, what, why, what is that? Yeah. And it's like, none of us, like, I'm not, I can't, I have no authority to say that that's wrong of him to do. But what I can say is that there's a lot of people back here in the stands that, uh, that at least makes them feel gross or it makes them feel excluded because they'll never be able to afford that kind of thing. And at a minimum, if your position has historically been supported by the donations of people that go to your church, uh, that doesn't rub people the right way. Objectively, regardless of your theology, if you live off the donations of others or people think that you live off the donations of others, uh, they're going to have questions if you start to seem like you're living in luxury. But again, I, I can't say that it's, it's evil to wear something that says Louis Vuitton from a big stage. But what I can say is like, there's patterns to recognize here. Yeah. And there's also like, uh, I think meaningful critique to say, look, is this about you or is this about pointing to Jesus? bro? Because at a minimum, this is a distraction. So yeah. Uh, but to your first point is like people come all the time to, uh, and w- in the comments we'll say nobody should ever have a pair of $1,200 shoes. Yeah. These guys are supposed to be pastors. They, they should be selling everything and giving to the poor. I do not agree with that. And you know, if you, uh, if you assign the comment section to what I believe, then of course you're going to think I'm this like pretentious hypocrite that is sitting on his high horse, but that's, that's not me at all. Yeah. Well, I, dude, I I really appreciate what you've been able to do with the account because I feel like it's brought up a lot of interesting conversations, not just, you know, our relationship with pastors and wealth, but also our relationship with luxury and craftsmanship, because, you know, I think there was this kind of thinking in, you know, American evangelicalism that like frugality was always a virtue where it's like, you know, you would hear Christians brag like, oh, I barely, I only paid $5 for this. And, and like, well, you know, it was probably made, with, made that. Yeah. It was probably made with unfair labor practices. It was cranked at probably ignoring environmental regulations and it's going to end up in a landfill. Yeah. Where if you buy, um, you know, a piece of nice luxury, you'll probably have it your whole life for one. It was, you know, a lot of these companies hire the best leather workers in the world who make stuff by hand. And you're, you know, like I remember I was talking to somebody and we're talking, what's more ethical, is it more ethical to own like a Rolex or a like $5 Casio where, you know, the Mm Casio is made in cheap parts and it's going to break where a Rolex you know, is made by hand by people who have been making watches like that for hundreds of years. And you're supporting this. It gets a lot more nuanced once you start thinking about it, you know? And that's my deal is I want people to even just like give some brain cells to that thought. Yeah. Because a lot of us were just, a lot of us just want to buy the cheapest thing or get the best possible deal. But there are some like downstream or upstream considerations. And I didn't care about that stuff before being involved with this account, but like the whole ethical fashion thing, I think Christians specifically should really care about that because we're talking about human conditions and, uh, you know, not every Nike piece is made. I don't think in, in the most like ethically sustainable way, but, uh, and like, to be clear, 
I wasn't this altruistic theologian about this account from the beginning. I had to develop a theology around this because yeah. at, at first my only thought was like, dude, this is weird, man. $800 shoes. Um, and so I hope people hear me when I say it's like, I'm not this like so anointed, uh, inspired theologian about this. Like it, it took me a long time to say, Hey, this account can be used to get people discussing deeper things than just bickering about whether or not a guy can be wearing nice sneakers on stage. Yeah. Well, Ben, it's been so fun to watch and I'm sure I, you know, maybe at some point during this conversation, you can tell us, but I'm sure you've gotten a lot of interesting DMs from some pastors who've been featured yes, on your, uh, on your page. I think I have a theory that when a pastor ends up on preachers seekers, one, their first feeling is they're stoked. And then they're probably like, ah, oh, well, maybe, maybe he's got a point here. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have worn that new, uh, you know, that whole essentials drop during right. the, the, my latest sermon, you know, like right. I, I feel like. Like a lot of them probably are jazzed to be on there at first, but, uh, yeah, yeah. especially like the lower tier guys for sure. But the, the top 1% guys, I don't know if they appreciate that kind of attention, but they do like attention. So (laughs) I was going to say, look, man, it's not like they're putting themselves on stage. No one, no one forced them to wear, uh, you know, uh, the Jordan ones, you know, on Sunday morning. So I think, I think it's fair game. Well, look, man, let's go ahead and jump into our list here. I have a list of five of my favorite sneakers of all time. I will, I'm in your boat where I'm not, I would not consider myself a sneakerhead, but I, Mm. I have an appreciation for sneakers. My collection is, is, not huge, but I like the ones that I have. So, uh, if let's go ahead and start with number five on your list and, and tell okay. me what's your number five favorite sneaker of all time. Number five, it, uh, doesn't have as much like history and alert to it, but number five for me is the Adidas ultra boost, yes. which yeah. came out in 2015 because that, uh, for those that haven't worn ultra boosts is one of the most comfy sneakers in the game for just like walking around yeah. and they had like a big, right when they came out, they kind of revolutionized, uh, that, that like category of sneaker, I guess, because they were so, uh, the technology was new and the boost material and the comfort was just like out of this world. And so that's what I would say. Number five, I wear them pretty much every single day. I've, I've had two or three pairs and I've beat them to death because they're just like, objectively the most comfortable shoe I've ever had. Well, and the cool thing is with Ultra Boost, it really, my wife just got a new pair. And uh, yeah, and the cool thing about Ultra Boost and Adidas in general is like for a long time, I don't, you know, Adidas didn't have the cachet that some of these other brands did in the sneaker world. But you look at their collaborations with Kanye, obviously Yeezy may be bigger than Adidas at this point. I, I, you know, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a multi-billion dollar brand. I don't know how much, but yeah, but it's significant. And, but you look at their collaborations with Pharrell and the shoes that he's done and, you know, their kind of reinvention of the brand with Ultra Boost really as like a cornerstone has been cool to watch because yeah, it, it brought them back into relevancy. Yeah. I, sorry for interrupting. No, you, no, no, no. I'm just agreeing with your point. It's like they had the standard lineup of five shoes that Adidas was known for. Yeah. But then Ultra Boost was like, oh, now sneakerheads are paying attention to to Adidas again. And now they're doing collaborations with Pharrell with the human races. And then Kanye eventually making, uh, just skyrocketing Adidas. Uh, it was interesting to watch. And that was like right at the time that I started getting into sneakers. And so ultra boost and then NMDs, which is another boost product that Adidas makes, uh, were pretty high up there for me. 
Well, it's it's an excellent choice, and it's a good one too. Because if you're a preacher and you wear those on stage, they're not quite flashy enough to land you on preachers and see. I think you can get a pair of Ultra Boosts for like 130 bucks or something. You know? Yeah, there's usually pretty good sales. About uh, now, there's enough Ultra Boosts out there that there's pretty good sales. There's a few pairs uh, of limited Ultra Boosts, like the 1.0s that uh, from 2015 that would still command a pretty penny. Yeah. But yeah, any of the ones that you buy at the outlet or retail Adidas store. You probably get a pass. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So keep that in mind, aspiring uh, uh, celebrity pastors. Celebrity pastors. You're safe for if now if you're if wearing that's your old- career. <laughs> career yeah. uh, aspiration then yeah that's if one you're thing going you to, to Bi- about. yeah if you're going to bible school if you're in seminary right now and you're getting a degree in celebrity pastor just get a just pair of ultra dreaming boost. of those yeah. celebrity pastor perks <laughs> yeah just get some ultra boost. well number five on my list and you can tell me this is lame ben because i get mixed feedback but i'm wearing these my whole life and and i feel like they're a safe choice which is the van skate high it's a you know mm. it's a high top canvas shoe you know, very classic looking. I usually wear a black with just the white stripe. It's it's yep. a high top. You know, you Good can wear price. A, Yeah. Oh, dude, they're like 65 bucks. You know what you're getting every time. But I also, okay, in this world, I kind of feel like Vans got a bad rap as like youth pastor shoes. Do you think... <laughs> If, if what, what's your specifically thought? beat up vans with yeah. holes in them <laughs> yeah. as youth pastor shoes, which I have many of, you know, what, because <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I was kind of on the fence on, on my item here. Cause I was going to try to do slip ons, try to do skate highs. Cause I, I, I like both of them. What are your thoughts on vans as a sneaker head? Because I know it's not like vans is like controversial in the sneaker world, but mm-hmm. you know, they don't have the same, um, there's not the same excitement around like, uh, you know, a new Vans, like Simpsons collaboration as there is, you know, with some of these other brands. What what are your thoughts on Vans? Yeah, I know that's a big, uh, maybe LA thing. Like a lot of the hip hop guys from LA and stuff will uh, religiously claim Vans. I've had a few pair. I really like how they, like how they feel. I've got flat feet and I don't know if it's Vans are conducive for flat feet, but I, but I think they're comfortable for me. And it's just hard to go wrong because they go with a lot of stuff. Like, especially if you, if you wear, uh, jeans, most of the time that just basically goes, you can put hands on like, to me, it's almost like a minimalist type choice because it can go with anything. You don't have to think about it. It's like the black and white van goes with just about everything. And, uh, the highs, you know, I don't know if I'd ever wear them with shorts, but with, uh, pants for sure. Uh, I like, I just prefer the lows, I guess with, with shorts, but I'm a big fan of those. Wait, well, and here's the other thing. When it's time to retire them to grass cutters, you don't feel That's weird. Right. Like if you're, if That's I'm right. retiring a pair of Jordans, it's like, I'm still not going to cut the grass in them. You know of what I'm saying? Not. Like I might shelve them or, That's or a really just good like point. But a, a pair of Vans. You're like, oh yeah, they, you know, I can, I can, th- these are grass cutter status now. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Ultra boost at number five. What do you got at number four, Ben? Number four in kind of the same vein, I I put the Nike Air Yeezy from yeah. 2009. And so this was Kanye's uh, first initial deal with Nike before he went to Adidas. And this was Kanye kind of, and he like he always does, made headlines by designing this kind of unique looking sneaker that wasn't made for athletics. It was yeah. made for fashion. And it was kind of a... Uh, super fresh design that nobody had ever seen really kind of high and you can look it up and uh 
you, you won't be able to pull it off. Most people can't pull it off, yeah, but there was such the, the most famous ones are bright red, right? Is that the, right, the, the red the, Octobers? Yeah. And yeah. they are the grailed of grailed in terms of like the shoe. That is the one, it, it is the one that every, every collector wants is this That's red, right. uh, Nike air Yeezy. I feel like one of its most, uh, uh, prominent features is sort of these, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but almost sort of like these like fins on the back heel that give it uh-huh. this very distinct look. That is, very it's very cool. much not a, an athletic shoe by yeah. any means, but it's, so that, that was, I think first Nike's first delve into like, Hey, let's make a sneaker that's specifically a fashion facing. And, uh, if you found a pair of, of red Octobers or any of the Nike Air Yeezys brand new, that's like an investment piece. Like those will never, ever go down in value because they're so limited. They were limited back then and impossible to get. So now you have to pay like for red October is probably $10,000 yeah. to get them. I haven't looked at StockX for them, but uh, yeah, there was one pastor on, on my page early on that had like all the pairs and was preaching in all the pairs and that, can you reveal who it was? I'm sure yeah, I can. It was get- John Gray. It, it was John, John Gray. Gray. Wait, <laughs> we're the- putting it poor guy on blast. No, no. <laughs> he had all the. He has all the pairs of the Nike Air Yeezys. It seems like, and those uh, are just like objectively the most sought after. One of the most sought after sneakerhead grails. Um, so it it belongs on the list because it revolutionized uh, sneaker collaborations in my eyes, and uh, also it's one of those pieces that I'll never have, never be even close to having, but. Uh, blank check moment i'm probably buying some of those yeah well totally even just to have it if you never wore them you know i I feel weird about putting it on my feet yeah okay but but you bring up an interesting point with uh the nike air uh yeezys because you know uh kanye west has had not just a very interesting relationship to the fashion industry i feel like he's probably as well known for his contributions to fashion and streetwear as he is for music these days yeah um but also his relationship with a lot of the guys that have been featured on your page i mean you know he has he's you know uh very notably had a, a pretty dramatic he's dramatically embraced christianity and and released you know jesus is king and um but he's not the only star you know obviously justin bieber hangs out with a lot of these guys and you know so you know when you're when you're kind of setting up the the account and you're kind of noticing these trends the other aspect and you allude to it in the 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 subtitle of your book is uh <clears throat> wannabe celebrities and i'm assuming that's a reference to pastors who align themselves with actual celebrities to try to get uh, uh some of that clout so what mm-hmm. are is kind of your thoughts on the celebrity well how about this the pastoral infiltration of celebrity culture i was going to say the celebrities infiltrating church culture i don't think they were doing that i don't think anyone's like hey we got to infiltrate the church that will make us no, cool we'll be tight <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go hang out at church <laughs> yeah but but pastors very intentionally and i know some of these guys too you know that that have been featured on your page and probably the yep. you know um and 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 i like a lot of these guys personally but you know when you see uh, one of these pastors, you know, kind of posting a picture with Bieber and it isn't just purely kind of like a ministry thing at that point, right? A lot of them, it's kind of them hanging out, doing whatever. What are your kind of thoughts, not just on the fashion aspect, but that celebrity aspect of of the whole preachers and sneakers culture? Yeah, fame fame is one of those weird currencies that you can just get by proximity and you don't have yeah. to, it's like the Paris Hilton effect. Like you can be famous for being famous in a way and if you hang out with famous people, eventually the tabloids and media agencies start to notice and start to ask questions like, hey, who's this other guy or girl that's running around with 
Bieber or Kanye or whatever. And uh, there's a whole stable of guys that, for very good reason, were able to influence Kanye and Bieber and in turn got their own pretty high level of fame and ended up in their own headlines for being the personal pastor to X or Y celebrity. And the thing about Kanye, when he had his very public conversion, it was hard as a guy that leans cynical, it was hard to not have the knee jerk reaction to say, dude, it looks like these guys are kind of using Kanye as a prop to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, look, look how successful, uh, we can make Christianity cool. The coolest, one of the coolest guys in the world is now talking the Jesus talk. And here I am. And I had my little bit of influence with him. I got my pick so I can prove it. And so like at a minimum, you know, people are gonna be like, wow, that is crazy. You're hanging out with Kanye. You're a pastor, dude. Um, But it was an interesting to think an interesting thing to see. And I write about it a bit in the book for a shameless plug is that like, Fame in and of its in and of itself seems to be a an in state for a lot of us. I mean, like at least in uh, even outside of church, like a lot of us love fame. A lot of us want to be yeah. famous because it seems like we'll have power, we'll have money, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's weird how that whole culture has uh, come into a church context where we could see it as a way to use it as a tool. Like, Hey, if we can convert Kanye or Bieber, we can use his reach to, yeah. to reach the world for Christ. And, uh, to me that very quickly can turn into kind of using people. And I don't love that yeah. idea. Yeah. It's tough because you, you know, there is a tension there where it's like, yeah, well, the ultimate mission of a Christian is the great commission to spread the gospel. So I can understand like, oh, if we kind of align ourselves with these people to further our reach, to further our mission. And if we dress a certain way, we'll become more appealing to more people and it'll further reach and mission. But it does seem like what you've been able to kind of demonstrate is, well, yeah, but there are lines here too. Like it's not, you know, the great commission is, uh, you know, it looked just not an aesthetic. At, yeah, exa- exactly. It's not. Um, and it's not something that I feel like is necessarily uh, needs to have like business strategy meetings of, OK, we'll get with this influencer with this, you know, merch drop. It'll have a Bible verse and we'll, you know, it's it's, it's you a, know, it's an organic thing, you know. Yeah. And it's it's effective to do that. Like yeah. that. there's a reason we do it in the mainstream is because like it's effective to have influencer marketing, to have limited merch drops and, you know, have really slick digital marketing strategies, that kind of stuff. Um, but, and like to be charitable, I think there is an element of that, that allowed some of these guys and able to get in the same circles as Bieber and Kanye to influence their lives. Like I, I can't yeah. throw, we can't throw all that out the door because somebody else would have been able to reach them. Had it not been for, you know, maybe these guys being super cool and dressing super cool and having networks that could kind of get them connected and then them be able to like, play in the same sandbox and not freak out like a, a fanboy or whatever. There's, I think there's some utility to that. And I don't think you can argue that these guys or some, some of these guys were able to influence Kanye and Bieber specifically to help redirect their life. And so that I, none of us can argue with that. I think if you put a lot of weight on their outfits though, and the lifestyles that they live, I think that's pretty thin compared to like, Oh, this guy's actually really cool and charismatic and yeah. is a good communicator, all that kind of stuff, which is way more important than the shoes on your feet. Like 
could Carl or Chad have done any of this stuff with Vans on their feet? Absolutely. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Or Rich Wilkerson Jr., Vans on his feet only. I think he could have gotten the same result. So it's just an interesting thing to talk about. And I don't vilify people for yeah. dressing cool, but I think uh, to say this is what opened the door is a pretty thin argument. Yeah. I remember year, this is probably like 20 years ago now, but my roommate from college was working at the Dream Center in LA, which is this at the time, it was this old Oral Roberts, right? Didn't you go to Oral yeah, Roberts? Yeah. Yeah. I went to ORU. Go Golden Eagles, man. Charismatics. Yeah. Well, hey, at, look, we call us whatever we want after that NCAA run. You know, the whole yeah, wait, Arkansas, Arkansas, we played y'all. Yeah. Oh, you did you go to Arkansas? Uh huh. Okay, cool. What, what, what year did you graduate? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 11. Okay. Okay. So I, I was a little bit before you, but Arkansas would play ORU uh, pretty frequently uh, when I was at school. And so I oh, always yeah? liked it because That's it was awesome. like, I felt like, oh, it's a legit opponent, you know, Arkansas. And it's right, right down the road from y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, uh, uh, but anyway, my roommate was wor- working at the Dream Center LA, which houses like homeless community and had, um, you know, a lot of resources for people struggling with addiction and, you know, had a lot of outreaches on Skid Row of uh, incredible. They were doing incredible things there in the community and we're walking around and he showed me the facility and outside they had like a stretch Hummer with just like, you know, at the time, like these big chrome uh, wheels and, you know, it looked like something out of a music video. And mm-hmm. I was like, Justin, dude, what's what's the story with this, you know, Hummer? <laughs> and he's like, um, and again, this is like 20 years ago. He's like, uh, one of the guys from Corn, I think it was uh, Brian Head Welch, uh, mm-hmm. had converted to Christianity. And he, he called up the Dream Center and just said, hey, I want to give you guys this vehicle I have. And so Justin went over to his house and he's like, this is cool. He's like, you know, we'll have to sell this and we'll use the money to, to, and he said, and then this stuck with me for a long time because the, the response from the guy from corn was no, no, no. I want you to use this to go into certain neighborhoods to pick up kids and bring them to church. And I want you to bring them home in it. He's like, if you go through and try to pick them up in a church van, no one's going to want to come. If you come with this cool car and you, you can show them that this is cool and we're fun and, you know, we, we, you know, we have a degree of awareness about what would appeal to you. That's mm-hmm. what I want for this. And I remember thinking, like, I feel like that kind of mindset translates, but obviously there are limitations and dangers to it too, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, and I, I mean, I don't know if you can argue with that. Like I, if I'm a, if I'm a 14 year old kid, I'm not getting in a church fan, bro. Yeah. So like. Uh, but I think if, if your ministry is based on surface level stuff like that, it's probably yeah. going to erode eventually. Like yeah. you can get people to church by offering them free chicken tenders, yeah. but if you don't call <laughs> them to anything, then they're just going to get back out yeah. there doing their thing. Like, uh, it's one part of it and you know, attraction is effective. Yeah. Um, uh, but if we focus too much on that, then I think we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, Ben. So my number four, I'll jump back to my list is, and I'm interested, I, it's a controversial shoe. Uh, one that is, feels very polarizing. That's You the, thrive off of the controversy. I love I controversy. I love polarizing. Mix it up, man. <laughs> Let's chop it up. Yeah. But, okay. It's the Jordan 11, which is uh, for for people who aren't familiar with the Jordan line, you probably know the shoe. It, it famously mm-hmm. has a strip of shiny sort of patent leather that surrounds the shoe. Uh, yep. It came out in 1995, and this was like prime 
I was like 12 years old when this came. I remember this shoe when it came out because I used to get a magazine for it. Oh, I used to get Sports Illustrated for kids, right? It was like this magazine Mm -hmm. and they had this whole feature on the shoe. You know, he wore it in the movie Space, Michael Jordan wore the shoe in Space Jam. It was during his like baseball phase, but also during the 95, 96 comeback season when they won a a championship. Um, You know, it, uh, he got like uniform violations for it, like fined because they were not within NBA dress code at the now NBA dress code you can wear you can wear Ronald McDonald shoes if you want but, you, right. but back then it had to be like all black and it was very cool because this was like a dress shoe and a basketball shoe totally fresh design it's from Tinker Hatfield who if is a you know one of the most important names in all of kind of sneakerdom if people are looking to learn more about him he's a designer at Nike there's a great episode of the Netflix series Abstract that profiles designers on Tinker Hatfield and I need to check it out yeah it's really good but Ben Jordan 11, do you, do you, are you a fan or do you think they're kind of gaudy? I uh, I have a, an immense respect for it because okay. it is such an important shoe. The patent leather, the patent leather is, uh, so in the Marine Corps, we actually had to wear patent leather shoes as part of our yeah. dress uniform. And they had to be <laughs> spotless. Spick and span. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, patent leather is a little easier to keep spotless than like regular leather, but, uh, as far as wearing the shoe, I could never, ever pull it off. It, you know, I'm not much of a hooper. I like yeah. playing basketball, but I could never walk around securely with some Jordan 11s, <laughs> highs or lows, because it's just, it's very much a basketball shoe. And uh, for average dudes like me, I just can't pull it off. I, I don't have, I don't think, I don't have any pairs of those, but uh, I think I've, I've probably resold some, like the Concords. They re-released the yeah. Concord 11s. And then the Space Jam 11s yeah. are really popular and really cool because they have that like icy sole on the bottom. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and there's something about Carolina Blue in a shoe where they, oh, yeah. the originals have like Carolina Blue acts. Obviously, Michael Jordan went to uh, Carolina, North Carolina. But um, yeah, that that's just a very cool color with white and black. And a lot of sneakerheads really worship the the Jordan 11. So like, yeah. I might be an anomaly where I don't care that much about it, but I respect it because most that that would end up in most people's list. The bread yeah. Jordan 11 and the uh, Concord Jordan 11. Yeah, I, it, I, I know it's an easy pick, but I also know, like I said, some people are like, I don't know, they're overrated. So, OK, I'm glad uh-huh. to see you're at least, uh, you know open to the Jordan Lever. All right. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you got for number three on yours, man? All right. Number three in the same vein, uh, the 1989 produced, uh, thanks to Jordan or Tinker Hatfield, the Jordan four, mm. which in my opinion is the best looking sneaker of all time. Wow. I think. And, and I can't even pull them off that well. I've got a couple pairs. And in terms of like, you think about the time, 1989, and how like extremely different this design was. The Jordan 4, if people look it up, um, you'll definitely recognize it. It was so like ahead of its time and it's held up yeah. through all the decades of people being into sneakers. And so Jordan 4, uh, he played in those. And uh, that was like, in terms of Jordans, I've got another Jordan on this list, but number three, Jordan 4, is, I think is the best looking sneaker pound for pound right now how when you when you're gonna rock the jordan 4 what colorway are you gonna go because i feel like when i picture jordan 4 in my head i picture like the black and red and then that one that sort of i don't know the name of the colorway but it's like that light bluish uh and gray i feel like i've seen a lot if you're gonna rock a pair of jordan fours what colorway are you going with i only have i only have two pairs and i have the bread jordan fours and a funny story about that is i had a follower of my account email me one day saying verbatim 
I feel like God is leading me to buy you a pair of Jordans. No way. And that was it. And I said, <laughs> I think he was a missionary. Who am I to know, argue with God? Jakarta, and I said, I said some, something to the effect of like, look, I'm not in this to get anything. Yeah. I didn't ask for this, but here's my PO box. <laughs> and, and he ended up sending me like StockX verified this pair oh, of nice. red Jordan fours. And, uh, I was incredibly grateful. So that's the only reason I would ever have those, but those are really cool to me because all of his shoes that are black and red just are so clean yeah. to me. So, uh, bread Jordan fours. And then I have the, what the Jordan fours, which are like a mix up of yeah. all the popular Jordan fours, like the cements, the breads, the military blues, all those. And, uh, those I can actually, I've worn out before because it seems like, all right, this isn't as an extreme look and it can go with a couple things. So it's one of those two pairs. Yeah. And that's a, the, you know, what the, the shoes that they made for Russell Westbrook in the line are some of my favorite because it is like these wild mashups that is, yeah. they feel, almost feel a little irreverent for shoe design, but I have a pair uh-huh. that I'm like, when I, when I, I wore them out one day and people are like, dude, those look like basketball shoes from the future. I'm like, cool. That's this. I think kind <laughs> of, like, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Thank that's you that's, for yeah. <laughs> that's you the should, best feeling. If you're wearing a pair of sneakers and somebody notices yeah. like some of the details, like, dude, well, there was one time I was wearing a pair of Jordan ones uh, and some, some random dude on the street stopped me and said, dude, are those the new Jordan one bread toes? And I said, yeah, man. And this feels way too good from a stranger. (laughs) Dude, I got dapped up at an airport one time for wearing Jordan ones. Like just Uh, a guy came out fist out, like, okay, I got you. You, you Yeah. 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 It's like so much more validation than you could ever hope for. Yeah. All right. My number, uh, that was, yeah, that was your number three. Okay. My number three, this one isn't the coolest pick, but I had to put it on there because I wear them so much and I've owned so many pair. And that is the, uh, Nike Air Max nineties, which is a mid top, you know, kind of a, mid-height shoe, um, but the, it, again, another Tinker Hatfield design, really revolutionary design at the time because it kind of married form and function. It's a mm-hmm. shoe that everyone would recognize uh, just because it is sort of that iconic Nike uh, kind of high-tech looking design. But the cool thing is I have a pair um, that I did like the Nike ID thing in. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and so I kind of designed my own colorway. And there, look, you can go you can go to Foot Locker and buy a couple of pairs of Air Maxes right now. Like, like they're a very accessible mm-hmm. shoe. They're not overly priced. But I feel my opinion is I know they're kind of like generic, but I still feel like Air Maxes are dope. Like oh, do, yeah. do, do you have are you an Air Max guy? Are they still in your rotation? Yeah, the uh and a part of it I think is a nostalgia thing and a a, a previous inaccessibility thing. So like yeah. when you grow up as a kid begging and begging for Nikes with an air bubble in them yeah, and you yeah, never yeah. get them. Now that you have adult money, you can buy them. Like I think there's part of that playing. Um, because Nike Air Max nineties are one of those shoes that I remember like coveting, like yeah. growing up and I never could get them. And so I've had, a, I don't know if I have any pairs currently, but I've had them in the past and they're super cool looking. And I don't know if I can pull them off because they are kind of high, uh, and have a lot going on with them, yeah. but I'm a huge fan. Air, anything, Air, most, most things Air Max, I'm a pretty big fan because it's like, it's got Tinker Hatfield all over it. Yeah. And that dude is a, just an artistic and design genius. And uh, he, whatever he touches ends up being super cool. And like, there's might be a little bit of hype there, but not really. Like objectively, most of his shoes are really good looking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I'm a huge Tinker Hatfield fan. And I feel like, and I, I'm interested in your opinion on this. I feel like, look, if you're an up and coming pastor who wants to look cool from the stage, no, one, no one's bashing anyone for like, you, you know, caring about their appearance, right? Like, you right. know, that, that's, everyone should, should give some mind to that. I feel like, 
a cool pair of Nike Air Max colorways, which, like I said, maybe 80 bucks, 80 to 120 range around there. You know, pretty yeah. affordable. It's a pair of shoes, right? You could find them at the outlet, most likely. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, dude, I found some, I've gotten some fines at the Nike Yellow before. But if you're, if you had to name, real quick, off top of the dome, three shoes that you could look cool from like the, the pulpit, but it's not going to be like, oh, look, look at this flex going on up here. <laughs> what would your top three be? Uh, let's see. Air Max 90 could be up there. Air Max ones, uh, would definitely be up there. That's, that's kind of a borderline casual athletic shoe to me. That's Tinker Hatfield's first shoe. How do do you feel about Stan Smith? Like the, you know, kind of just classic Adidas look. I feel like that still holds up. It does for the right people. I've never owned them. And I know maybe guys like 10 years older than me really, really like them because they, I don't know what generation that is. I never got into them, but there's many like Stan Smith stands. Yeah. And, um, that could be one, you know, the guys that like, that I really appreciate are the ones that dressed almost minimalistic, but then can put in one detail that makes it stand out. Yeah. And so Air Max ones, you can do that really well with Air Max nineties. I think if you're the right body type, you you could do that well with, um, I'm trying to think Air Max 97s would be cool too. They're not very comfortable, but Air Max 97s. If you're in the pulpit, man, comfort is your last concern. That's, you got to... <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's all about appearance yeah, yeah, in yeah. everything in ministry. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the, I'll hey, say those The gospel three. isn't supposed to make you comfortable, Ben. <laughs> and this exactly. shoe is a demonstration. I'm I'm biting my lip. This also... Yeah. That's right. <laughs> this is not my comfort zone. All right, Ben. Number two on your list. What you got? Okay. I, we didn't coordinate these lists beforehand, but uh, number two is the Nike Air Max 1 from me, oh, which nice. came out. 1987 and that's uh, I'm pretty sure that's Tinker Hatfield's first like full project for Nike like Nike had the waffle sneakers before this that they got really famous on then Tinker came and I don't know if he worked on the Air Max 1 first or the Jordan 1 first but either way Air Max 1 is very recognizable shoe it's one of the first with the bubble in it yeah and um, I wear that shoe if I'm going to dress up I'm usually wearing that shoe because it is comfortable and I can pull it off Um, pretty it's not super flashy. It's pretty subdued, but it's got all the elements of what a cool looking shoe is yeah. to me. And they're not expensive too. I think they retail like 110 oftentimes, unless they're like a collaboration. Like if they're uh, some of the, like the Pata collaborations or whatever, that's number two up there because it, uh, it goes with everything. It's kind of like a van almost yeah, a pair of vans almost to me, but um, it's comfortable. They have really clean looking colorways and they're pretty accessible. Yeah, dude, huge Air Max fans. Like I said, you wear them anywhere, and you, and you feel like, oh, this is a good, solid PX. All right, now I'm kind of cheating on my second, on my number two, because uh, I kind of lump them in together. Like it's two okay. that I'm throwing into one because they came out in the same year. They both came out in 1995. They look kind of similar, um, and they uh, both were the signature shoe of like an in of like a, a pretty cool NBA big man, right? Like these were, you know, because back in the day when I feel like they were making basketball shoes, perimeter players had different shoes than like centers. Like basketball yep. now is kind of a positionless game, you know. Like you got Giannis at like. 
athletes yes. going at each other. Yeah, Giannis yeah. is seven two, bringing the ball off the court. Wait, back yeah. in my day, yeah, if you were seven two, you didn't get beyond the free. Yeah, exactly. So two of the all time great post up players, Sean Kemp and Shaq, who I loved Shaq when I was a kid. I'm a huge Orlando Magic fan, and I love Shaq yeah. when I was a kid. And in 1995, uh, Reebok released for Sean Kemp a shoe called the Kamikaze, which uh, it, it's I'll, I'll describe it for for listeners here at home. It is a it is a very 90s basketball looking high top, but it has this very cool sort of angular oh, yeah. design uh-huh. up the side. Uh, it's almost like triangles kind of jetting up the side of the shoe. It's it's a very noticeable shoe. Like if you have it on, there's no mistaking that you're wearing Reebok Kamikazes. That same year, Reebok released a shoe called the Shaq Gnosis for Shaq, which is... Again, a big white high top basketball post player shoe, but instead of Very these triangles, similar. yeah, instead of triangles, it was this kind of circular pattern, sort of echoing outward. Both really recognizable, both audacious, and Sean Camp and Shaq were are both huge personality dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought I like the era where the shoe would match the personality of the player. Where I yeah, feel like cool. I feel like we were kind of getting away from that a little bit. Like if I. Like, okay, so if I buy a pair of, like, James Harden, like Adidas, there's nothing about them that's like, oh, that's probably James Harden shoes, or that's, uh, you know, Dames, or, or, you know, who... Luca, well, I guess he's got the new Jordans, but you know, there's elements of the player personality. I thought for when, when some of my favorite shoes, and this is what to our Tinker Hatfield conversation is, you know, he'll sit down with the athlete to understand the athlete and try to bring their personality into the shoe. You know, like yeah. if you watch that, that great episode of abstract, you know, he tries to tell Michael Jordan's story through, you know, the reason they put patent leather on that shoe is because at the time Jordan wanted to be a businessman. He wanted, he knew that he wanted to be an NBA owner one day and they, that kind of flare of the patent leather was a That's tip of so the hat cool. to his personal ambitions where these, the kamikazes and Shaq Gnosis was like, these are big, loud, noticeable shoes and big, loud, noticeable dudes are going to wear them. <laughs> I just thought they were, especially as like, you know, 13, 12, 13 year olds, like these are the coolest freaking shoes I've ever seen, man. And your parents have to be like, dude, we're never buying these <laughs> yeah, for you. You're these never going to own nothing. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where could you possibly wear those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, yeah. And, and growing up in Louisiana, Shaq played at LSU. And so yeah. I, I'm a, I've been a big fan of Shaq ever since. And he's that dude kills it at life seemingly yeah. right now. Everything he touches, he's got deals out the wazoo. Uh, that man is set for life. And I love his seeming, I don't know him as a person, but his apparent posture in life is very generous yeah. and is trying to uh, not be exclusive and not be better than anybody. Like there's videos of him DJing at random clubs for like yeah. nobody. <laughs> and then there's also videos of him paying off this dude's engagement ring a few weeks ago. Yeah. And also Just like, randomly. He's got a, yeah. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a line of uh, Shaq shoes that are in Walmart because he wanted his shoes to be accessible to everybody. It's like, dude, come on. Yeah. That dude is dope, He's the best. Man. Okay. I have a, if, if, cause kamikazes and Shaq Gnosis, I would not call these like shoes that are very highly sought after. Like there are probably people who like them for nostalgia. It's a deep cut. Yeah. Or, or, or people who just like them for nostalgic reasons. Or if, if a pastor, you know, at one of these big churches comes out on Sunday morning and they're rocking either kamikazes or Shaq Notice or Shaq Gnosis, and they post a picture on the gram. Is that preachers and sneakers worthy, or are they? Is it too kind of obscure of a you know statement that they're trying to make? 
I think since it's depending on the pastor, maybe, but I think since it's a callback to like real sneaker culture, it might actually end up on the page because people will have opinions about that look. Yeah. Because that look is going to be very hard to pull off. Yeah. And uh, it is the people that are in my comment section are very quick to uh, (laughs) comment on someone's outfits. (laughs) outfits. <laughs> well, I'll keep that in mind. If I ever guest speak at a church, which I've never been invited listeners, you might find that shocking, but <laughs> they won't let me near Very it. Shocking. They won't let me. But if I ever am, I'm rocking a pair of those and Ben, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to send them to you. I'll let you be the judge. Okay. I, yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. No, I love no, being no the pressure. judge. I love being. <laughs> I love judging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben, it's a moment of truth. Number one. Okay. No, pr- I have a feeling I, I, I'll be, I could throw out a guess here, but I'm very confident that I know what it's going to be, but I'll let you throw it out there and see if we got it right. Yeah. I'm not trying to have any like screaming hot sports opinions here, but number one, because of all that it's done for the culture and how good looking it is, Jordan one high 1985, the, I mean, his, this sneaker started all of sneaker culture, I, I would say. And it is held up decade over decade and his shoes still command a premium because people cannot buy them fast enough. Um, so Jordan one high, everybody will recognize yep. his original colorway, his Chicago colorway, red, white, and black. And then the bread colorway, which black and red, which uh, originally was banned from the NBA, uh, which he just leaned into and just paid the yeah. fines, which yeah. made the uh, shoes even more sought after. But that this is my, between the air max one and Jordan one, if I'm going to, decide to wear sneakers. It's one of those two pairs of sneakers. One, because I can pull them off. And two, because I think they're just hard to argue with. I mean, they're comfortable. Jordan ones are, some people don't think they're comfortable. I think they're comfortable on my feet and the highs specifically look really cool and you don't have to do much to them in terms of colors for them to be unique looking. Like some of my, my favorite pair of Jordan one highs are the shattered backboard Jordan ones, which are just orange and black. And that colorway combined is it's, it's pretty rare um, so they resell for a lot, but that colorway is so good looking to me. And that's one of my grails that actually, if I ever come into money, I might actually buy those. So um, Jordan one high, I think it's pretty hard to argue with. And, you know, he came out with those shoes in 1985 and they're yeah. still like, people are lining up out the door for him. Oh yeah. I, I was going to, I'm not going to lie. I was going to be disappointed if you didn't say Jordan once, because okay. like, <laughs> it, it is like, it is the shoe. It's like kind of like, and, and, and here's the thing I, you know, <clears throat> You can still, there are colorways that are reasonable, you know, like you can still yeah. buy, maybe not some of the the higher, especially ones that are kind of have that old school kind of bull, Chicago Bulls look like, yeah, some mm-hmm. of those are a little difficult, but you can find some cool, reasonably priced uh, colorways in the Jordan ones. And that's kind of the cool thing about yeah. Jordan ones is everyone can kind of make them their own, you know? Yeah. And they, you know, they, they make the mid side, like the mid size variation, which people love to original sneaker heads really clown Jordan brand for making mids because it's just like, they look like dunks just make it a high. Yeah. And, and they kind of, yeah. and they're, they almost look too much like those like low top dunks, you know, where, right. it, yeah. yeah. And so it makes it look like this feels like kind of a dollar general version of the Jordan one. And, but they come out with some pretty cool colorways for the mids. And that's, what's disappointing to me is because like, dude, just put this on a high and you would make twice as much money if you, yeah. But they must have a strategy because they're Nike yeah. and they and they Michael Jordan yeah. pretty, and Michael Jordan. They seem yeah. to be making pretty good decisions. But uh, the mids and even the lows you can make work um, in certain situations. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Jordan ones. 
Well, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was kind of, I, I could have put that on there, but I figured you're going to bring it. So I, I kind of throwing a curveball on my last one. It's, and I don't own this shoe, but I would love to own it. Uh, I don't know if I'm almost certain there's no way I could seriously pull it off. I don't, I've very rarely seen people wear this shoe with a straight face, except uh, there's a couple pastors who I think have them in a tight rotation. And that's the Nike Air Fear of God one, which is uh, Jerry Lorenzo's collaboration with Nike. And I'm a big fan of like Jerry Lorenzo. Uh, and, obviously essentials yeah and fear of god and i was really interested to see what the outcome of his collaboration and obviously he's made the jump over to adidas which i'm i'm stoked to see what he's going to come up with there but you know the the nike air fear of god ones they almost look like the air mags to a degree for people who um those are like the back to the future uh, kind of marty mcfly boot yeah a nike boot almost. And, and i kind i thought it was really cool because it was totally fresh it looked like nothing else on the market which is very hard to do with a basketball shoe. Um, yeah. But the other cool thing is to hear, and if you follow Jerry Lorenzo on Instagram, he'll do this from time to time, kind of design breakdowns and kind of the amount of thought that went into the design really makes you not just appreciate the shoe, but appreciate the price where this is a guy who spent a year tra- going to Italy to check out materials. Like he went to, he wanted it to be, his concept was, was American luxury. So he went to go see luxury. Then he would go to like Bass Pro Shops and look at like the waiter boots that you wear for fly fishing. And mm-hmm. he kind of combined this like kind of blue collar American aesthetic with like kind of a Italian design for something that was totally unique. And I don't think it was until I kind of heard Jerry Lorenzo talk about that, that I really appreciated like, Hey, there's a reason some of this stuff costs what it does, because these are the best designers in the world using the best materials in the world and sparing no expense to create the best product in the world. And say what you will kind of, I think there's a lot of cases people can make about consumption and how people spend their money, but just appreciating the art, the, the craftsmanship and care that went into it is pretty impressive. Yeah, I love I I love that, and it is a kind of an art appreciation thing. It's not like you can tell that this man is inspired yeah. and has a gift uh, because it's not just shoes that he puts out, but most of the stuff he puts out is pretty popular. And it's yeah. not just like some of it may be pushing the limits a little bit, but most of it is not just hype. Like, oh, this is good looking stuff that seems to be well made. Yeah, and I mean the man is pretty bold about his faith, from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, and to your point or to your list earlier, he also did uh collaboration with vans that if you, yeah, you go and try dope. to buy, yeah. find some fear God vans, they're very expensive yeah. uh, because there's very few pairs that are dead stock still. And they're pretty cool looking too. like his, his patterns uh, that he put on the vans were really, really cool. And he's, you know, he's got relationships with all these pastors too, where yeah. I've had, I've had several posts where guys were wearing the Nike air fogs before they even came out. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. that's a double flex. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> not only be able to get them, but to be able to get them beforehand and wear them on stage the same weekend yeah. that they uh, we see what you're doing. They yeah. sell out immediately. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, well, but shout out to Jerry Lorenzo, man. Oh yeah, totally. I love what he's doing. I love, uh, essentials. Like it, it, it is a, a kind of cool vibe. He's got going. All right, man, before I let you go, man, let's, let's, how about this? Um, before, you know, we there's a lot of people who will look at kind of preachers and sneakers and rightly draw kind of have uh, kind of a critical eye towards some uh, pastors. But I do feel like you're very fair minded in, in, in the whole presentation. And it's also like like you're saying earlier, these guys are voluntarily wearing this stuff on stage. So how about before mm-hmm. we go out, give me your top if you're OK, you're back in the scenario where you were, uh, you know, you can't make it to church. You're going to fire up YouTube. OK, and you're going to listen to a sermon. 
sermon. Like, no, no, not clowning at all. Like, if you had to uh-huh. pick three pastors, that three preachers, like sneakers aside, that is kind of your go-to, just like, hey, man, I miss church. I'm going to need a quick, good, solid sermon. If you had to pick three preachers that would end up in your YouTube search, who would they be? I would have to say my guy, Jonathan Pecluda in Waco. He used okay. to be at Watermark here in Dallas. Uh, that People call him JP. He's really solid, and I'm a big fan of his. And he's he's helped with the book. I stole some of his ideas okay. uh, with with pride for yeah. the book. I mean, uh, I cited him appropriately, but he's been a huge influence in my life. So he's consistently bold about what he believes and aligns it with scripture. Um, another guy I really like that I don't know is Ben Stewart. And he, I think he preaches in DC maybe, but he's kind of this minimalist guy. I think he had, he was at A&M for a long time and had a following there, but he's really solid. People have their opinions about Matt Chandler. Yeah. But I really appreciate his preaching yeah. and think that uh, he's gone through it, like gone through all kinds of crazy stuff in life and has continued to be really solid in, in terms of leading his church and, and uh, his faith and his preaching and all that stuff. And so I've gotten a lot out of his preaching. Yeah. There's people have critiques of him from stuff he's done in the past. So be it such as like, saying things in a Christian context, I'm happy to engage with people about that, but he's probably the third for me. If I have to like, out of nowhere, Google a, a sermon. It's probably one of those three dudes. <laughs> well, the great thing about Matt Chandler too, I don't think he's in any danger of landing up on preachers and sneakers because no, his, he's not. <laughs> he's, his uniform is like, you know, gap, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of khaki, a lot of polos, right. a lot of tucking and like, in. Even if he, even if he was wearing really great sneakers, you'd be so distracted because he was yelling at you the whole time. So. <laughs> <laughs> his like the, the most extreme sneaker he has is like a new balance. You know, right? right. like that I, Matt Chandler strikes me as like just a new balance type of guy. And it's not a dick. It's it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't wear these, uh, Topsiders or whatever, you know. That's right. <laughs> well, Ben, this was fun, man. I definitely ch- uh, encourage people to check out the book, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. And if you're not already following, who's not following? You got, uh, you know, the whole world. Joel McHale. What, real quick, before we go, how, how did you and Joel McHale hook up? Because I saw him, this was the first time I was like, oh, dude, McHale's a Preacher and Sneakers follower. You know, we had interviewed him in Relevant and I knew he's a Christian. I knew, you know, kind of his story, but he was, he was hosting like a video game award ceremony and he's wearing the preachers and sneakers uh, uh-huh. hoodie and i was like oh dope how, how did you guys hook up because he wrote the Ridiculous. ford for the book right he did yeah and he was very kind to do that he we started talking in the dms within weeks of starting the account and because he was somebody had sent him the account or something and yeah. he was a huge fan of the whole thing and the only reason i have merch today is because he messaged me about that he was playing in a celebrity Fortnite tournament yeah he messaged me after we had kind of been talking back and forth and he was like hey i'm playing this Fortnite tournament can i wear one of your sweatshirts for the tournament i was like uh yeah man let me get back to you and so i literally scrambled this design together and that's what that hoodie was it was like look this guy's got about to be on a huge stage and has to wear a hoodie so uh, you can you can that video is still up there. If you uh, Google Joel McHale Fortnite or something. Yeah. I, I saw it like out in the it. wild. I was like, you know what? I can't remember what I was watching, but I was, was like, so, Oh, like yeah. this, does, this shouldn't be a thing. Like he shouldn't care about this and my hoodie should not be on him, but it was a cool, I guess. Yeah cross-pollination of culture. Yeah. Well, hey, and if people want to hear, read his forward in the book, it, they can definitely check it out. Ben, this was fun, right. man. Let's hope you Jesse, get those. appreciate you, uh, man. Yeah. I hope you get those uh, uh, Nike Air Yeezys soon. So. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Here's to hoping. But Jesse, yeah. I appreciate you, man. You too, man. This was fun. 
All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.